If you would open the scriptures today with me to Acts, the first chapter, Acts chapter 1, then we'll go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Acts 1, 2 Timothy 1. We've been for some weeks on a subject we're calling True Witness. True Witness. And if you haven't been with us for the previous lessons, of course, uh, we've already covered a lot of ground and you're getting in the middle of this with us. If you want to catch up, you can get those. You can go online, download them, won't cost you anything. Uh, here in the building, you can go back to the Word Supply, get a CD or, or a DVD. Again, won't cost you anything. And those of you that have been with us, would you encourage them that it'd be worth their time to, to get into this and feed on this? This is very very important. In Acts the first chapter and the eighth verse, Acts 1.8, he said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost, ghost is an old English word for spirit, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem And in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Two things I want to emphasize here. He said, Jesus said, you'll receive power. Hallelujah. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. And this power, the fruit and effect and result of this power of the Holy Spirit coming on you is that you shall be witnesses. Witnesses. Now, uh, the living Bible says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll receive power to testify about me with great effect. Power to testify about me. The Weist translation says, you'll receive power of the kind which God has and exerts after the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you'll be those who testify of what they have seen and experienced. My witnesses, hallelujah, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. So we are to be empowered to testify, to be his witnesses. And this is something that belongs to every believer, not just a few, every believer. In one of the first messages on this, we differed between being a preacher And being a witness. Not the same thing. And yet many have have gotten that in their mind. That you know. That all of us should go witnessing. And in their mind what that means is. That you should work up a little evangelistic message. And go preach to somebody. But the Bible says. That not many of you should try to teach. Is that right? James says, not many. Why? And and 1 Corinthians talks about, are all apostles, prophets, teachers? No. The answer is no. Well, then if we're not all teachers and preachers, why should we all try to teach or preach? It's quiet in here. (laughs) And yet, being a witness is not the same thing as preaching somebody a message. And so what has happened, many people, they don't feel comfortable trying to preach a message to somebody, so they don't try, and they never do it, and they just feel bad because I know I should be witnessing more, but what they're calling witnessing in their mind is preaching. Hmm? Or then you got other folks that's not called or anointed to preach, but they try to preach to everybody all the time. (laughs) And there's no anointing in it. And, and, and that's not working good either. And then maybe somebody finally does work up the courage. And they try to you know, get their verses together. And, and so they go. And, and then they got them crossed up. And, and, and they were going to try to preach what their pastor preached. And, and it just they just lost their way. And, and they thought, man, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you got people doing too much. You got people doing nothing. But it's not what he said. He didn't say after the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll receive power and you shall go a preaching. 
You shall what? You shall be witnesses. What is a witness? A witness is one who testifies. It's a legal term. Just like in a court of law. One who affirms what they have seen, heard, or know. You can't go tell what you heard somebody saw or knew. That's hearsay and inadmissible. If you're a witness, it's got to be what you saw, what you heard, what you know from firsthand experience. And so a witness is also one that goes on record. And this record is evidence. A reliable, true eyewitness is valid proof in courts all over the world. And you and I, if we're a true witness, are proof of God's reality in this earth. We're proof of his goodness. And you don't have to know a bunch of verses or Greek or Hebrew definitions. You don't have, and so many people, they don't want to hear what you believe. They don't want to hear what your church believes. They don't want an exposition on doctrine. Many people, I'm talking about people that are not here. People that you're going to come in contact with. Many of them, they don't want to hear what you believe. But in the right circumstance, when the Lord prompts you, you're testifying to what you personally know that God has done for you. Come on, are you listening? Can be a powerful thing in your life and theirs. Because you were there when you got saved. You were there. Were you or not? You were there. (laughs) When the Lord came in, in your heart, and the burden of your sin was rolled away. You were there. Is that right? You were there when you got filled with the Spirit. You were there when your body got healed. When the Lord healed your child. When the Lord met your needs, helped you get your bills paid. You were there. And you can be a bold, true witness of that. You can say, well, I know this. I needed this, and I prayed, and this happened. And the Lord did that. I know this. He did this for me. This is not hearsay. This is not theory. This is not doctrine. This is not you trying to preach. This is you being a true witness of what you have seen. You have heard what you know that the Lord has done for you. Somebody said out loud, I am a true witness of what the Lord has done for me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In 2 Timothy 1.7, they'll put it on the screen for us. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In the very next verse, he says, be not there therefore, connecting this with what he just got through saying in verse 7, therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. So when he says God didn't give us a spirit of fear, He's talking about in connection with testifying, being a witness. And you and I do not have to be fearful. We do not have to be timid. It's either true or it's not. And if it's true, why should we be embarrassed to say it's true? If he did it for us, if it really happened, why should we be hesitant? Why should we be intimidated? Why should we be fearful to tell what the Lord has done for us? And finally, in Revelation 12, they'll put it up on the screen for us. Revelation 12, 11. The Bible said in Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him, talking about the devil, the accuser of the brethren, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Hallelujah. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Last time we spoke on this, we talked about how that this is something they, the former believers we read about in the scripture, they were willing to die for their testimony, their witness. Something you and I should be willing to die for. In other words, we would die before we say it isn't so. That what we're saying about what the Lord has done is the truth. 
And it doesn't matter if you don't like it, uh, you don't want to hear it, it's still true. And we would die before we would recant and say it's not true. And that's how they overcame. Hallelujah. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, go with me, please, to the book of Acts. Let's look in Acts 6. And then, I believe we'll make our way eventually over to Luke 21. Last time we spoke about Stephen and what a witness he was. And the Bible said in Acts 6 and verse 8, Acts 6 and verse 8 says, Stephen was full of faith and power. How many think we ought to be full of faith and power? He was full of faith and power. And did great wonders and miracles among the people. Interesting story here. He started out on the food truck. Or food wagon. Food cart maybe. You remember the story. They were having issues distributing uh, food and meals to people. And he was one of the ones that they tapped to uh, and assigned to do that. Next thing you know. He's full of faith and power and has wonders and miracles. How many believe if you're faithful in in what the Lord gives you, he'll add more to you. He'll advance you. He'll promote you. Uh, Keep reading there. There arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the uh, Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. They wanted to argue with him. And fuss with him. And uh, the Bible said. Verse 10. And they what? They were not able. To resist the wisdom. And the spirit. By which he spoke. Now we got no reason to think. That Stephen is a learned man. That he has extensive education. No, last time we read, he's on the food cart, making sure the soup was hot, making sure they didn't spill stuff before it got to where it was going, loading it and unloading it and serving it. But he's not speaking with force and eloquence because of his great education. He's speaking with power by the Holy Spirit who's come upon him. And he's become a powerful witness. Hallelujah. By the Spirit upon him. Isn't that what our text says? You shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. And these guys are educated. If you back up and read it again. Verse 9. Libertines, Serenians, Alexandrians in particular, were known for their extensive libraries and their knowledge. And so these guys are the intellectual giants of their day in the area, and they've gone to discount and disprove what this young uh, food cart guy (laughs) is saying and doing. How many know something's going on for them to even know he exists? Right? And yet when they get down there and they're going to take this little uneducated guy and they're going to tie him up in knots and they're going to show everybody what a fool he is. And when they got through, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which the food cart guy spoke. And and everybody around that were watching this and hearing this, they were thought, that's right, food cart guy. You tell them. You tell them. And they all looked at them like, okay, Libertines, what you got for that, huh? Alexandrians, what's your comeback? And they're like, uh, uh, uh. Because what they didn't know is they weren't just tangling with the food cart guy. (laughs) It wasn't that they, they were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit of Stephen. No. Right. It was the spirit. 
he was speaking by. They couldn't handle him. They couldn't get around him. They couldn't out talk him. They couldn't come up with an argument that made him look bad. And obviously they did their best. And if you read the rest of the story, Stephen stood up in front of a murderous crowd. And man, he gave them a synopsis of Genesis to Malachi, didn't he? I mean, brother, the Spirit of God gave it to him. And, you know, they got so mad, they didn't know what to do. And finally, he looked up, he said, I see Jesus. I see him. I said, there he is, standing on the right hand of God. Man, it made them so mad. They went crazy. The Bible said they gnashed on him with their teeth. And they killed him. Threw rocks at him and killed him. Why? Because they, they couldn't disprove what he was saying. So they killed him. Can you see this, friends? Now skip down, or over I should say, to Luke 21. What we're seeing as we go is that our witness is much more important than we knew. Our witness is the devil's worst nightmare. It is one of his biggest problems in the earth. And if he cannot get you confused or get you to not have faith he wants to get you off the planet why before you tell somebody before you before you go to testify because when you go to testifying and being the witness the one he's really scared of helps you comes on you and empowers you and enables you and that is the devil's worst nightmare because that empowered witness and testimony breaks through the darkness and confusion of the minds of them that are blind. Come on, can you see it? And no matter how long he has worked on binding somebody up and keeping them confused in darkness and sin, Once the light comes in and they hear it and believe it and act on it, all the demons in hell can't hold them down. Can't hold them back. Can't do it. Say it out loud. My witness, my testimony is important. It's important. It's very, very important. And the thing that makes it powerful is not how knowledgeable you are, not how much scripture you can quote, not how spiritual you think you are. The thing that makes it powerful is the Spirit. Hallelujah. By which he spoke. The Spirit by which we speak. Isn't this our text all over? You shall receive power. Hallelujah. After the Holy Spirit's come on. And as a result of that, what will happen? You'll testify. I said, you'll testify. You'll be his witness. You will tell. Boldly. Boldly. Fearlessly. Unashamedly. You will tell what you know he has done for you. What you saw. What you heard. What you experienced. And nobody can tell you you're wrong. You were there. Nobody can tell me I didn't get saved. I was there. How about you? Nobody can tell me. The Lord didn't heal me or didn't meet my needs. Nobody can tell me that. Luke 21. Luke 21. Jesus the master is talking about this. I can tell already you you, you wore your shouting clothes today. You're ready. And you're going to shout all the more about this. He said, Luke 21, 12, Jesus said, before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. Did you know that we have not been redeemed from persecution? That was three amens and two nods. (laughs) We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. 
We have not been redeemed from being persecuted. The Bible said they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's New Testament. If you're doing some things right, the enemy wants to shut you up. He'll try to stir up opposition against you. And you shouldn't be discouraged about it. You should be encouraged. How many think Stephen should have been excited when the Libertines and the Alexandrians and all these important, you know, high hoodoo guys come to show up for the food cart guy? Now, it wound up in them getting killed. But hey, he went out of here in a cloud of glory. Is that right? Jesus standing up to receive him. Glory to God. That's not defeat. Uh, he didn't lose any battle. But you see, when, uh, when these guys show up and, and they are full of venom to try to attack him and, and disprove him, you should be thinking, whoa, I must be doing something right. Because if not, you're not even on the radar. You're no problem for the enemy because you're saying nothing, doing nothing. (laughs) He said they will persecute you. They will deliver you up to the synagogues and into prisons. You'll be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Man, this perfectly describes what's recorded in the book of Acts concerning what happened to Paul. Doesn't it? Keep reading. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. When this happens, it's going to turn to you for a testimony. Tell your neighbor, tell them out loud and say, it'll turn to you for a testimony. What does that mean? That means it has come down to you now for you to testify. (laughs) You say, well, I'm not a preacher. We ain't talking about preaching. Has God done something for you? Then you can tell it. It'll turn to you for a testimony. Now, uh, other scriptures say like this. The New American says, it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Friend, there are times and some that are particularly significant. That you will know. It's time for me to speak up. It's not every situation. Every day. And you don't feel like you have to say something. Everywhere you go to everybody you meet. But there are times. You just know it in your heart. It'll come up. And it's your turn. It has turned to you. Eyes are on you. What are you going to say? You're not one of them are you? (laughs) You're not one of them are you? And what do you say? Yes, yes, I, am. yes I am. Yes, I And you, you don't blink your eyes when you say it. Right? You don't hesitate. You don't believe in all that God stuff. Huh? Come on. We live in a scientific world. We live in, you know, people have developed an intelligence. We don't need the crutch of religion. And you'll know it's turned to me. (laughs) It's time for me to speak up. And they can think whatever they like. But the truth is the truth. And if anybody should feel bad and feel ashamed, it's the person believing lies. And believing there is no God is believing a lie. Believing there's no salvation, there's no heaven, there's no hell, is believing lies. They're the ones that ought to be embarrassed about what they're believing. Not us. They need to join us. <laughs> It'll be an opportunity for you to bear witness. Now look, now keep reading, verse 14. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand. This said defend, but the NET's a uh, the one I like, it says not to rehearse ahead of time. The New English. King James. 
Settle it in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. This testimony we're talking about is inspired. It's anointed. It's not something you sit down and wrote on a piece of paper. And you just stand up and read to somebody by rote. So you don't have to figure out, well, how am I going to answer this? And how am I going to answer No, no. You just share what God did for you. How many notes do you need? You were there. You were there. You know what happened. This is not theory. This is not doctrine. This is not you trying to teach a message. Settle it in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. Why? Because you're going to have help. I said you're going to have help. Verse 15. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Oh, hallelujah. Boy, if you can't shout about that, I don't know what you can shout about. Jesus said, the head of the church said, he, the one who said you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit's come on you. That's what this power is for. I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay, nor is this, isn't that what happened with Stephen? They could not overtalk the food cart guy. <laughs> Could they? They couldn't. Don't you know that made them feel bad? With all their degrees. These are their best orators. And to get tied up by the food cart guy. Had to be very embarrassing for them. But what they didn't realize is it wasn't just the food cart guy. And when he's talking about this, this is not for your glory nor my glory to show up somebody how smart I am, how much scripture I know, how spiritual I am. No, no, it's got nothing to do with me looking good or you looking good or us shutting somebody up. This is about the truth coming out and light coming out and truth being confirmed by the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth bears witness to the truth. When we tell the truth of what God has done in our lives, the spirit of truth confirms it, bears witness to it to other people that are seeing and hearing, listening to it. Let me read some other translations of this to you. The easy to read says, this will give you an opportunity to tell about me. Decide now not to worry about what you'll say. I will give you wisdom to say things that none of your enemies can answer. The New Living says, I'll give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. They won't be able to. The New Century says, I'll give you wisdom to say things that none of your enemies will be able to stand against or prove wrong. Not be able to gainsay nor resist. We have the irresistible spirit. Don't we? We have the irrefutable, indisputable spirit. Go with me to Matthew. Let's see some examples of this. And the reason we're seeing examples of this because we're living in the same New Testament. We have the same irresistible spirit in us and on us. And there are times that this is to happen in our lives that we're to experience the Lord giving us things that opponents just have no answer for. They have no comeback. Matthew 22 and verse 15. Jesus spoke by this Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, by the irresistible, irrefutable, indisputable, undefeatable. Should I go on? Is he the greater one? Well, if he's the greater one, that would explain why they can't beat him. 
Who's smarter than the Holy Spirit? Who's going to come up with something clever that the Holy Spirit can't come back from? But how easy would it be for him to say something that you can't come back from? You're going, uh, duh, duh. What do you say to that? This is what happened. The Pharisees took counsel how they might entangle Jesus in his talk. Why? Again, to their mind, Jesus is the carpenter's son. He didn't have a doctorate in theology. He's not of the elite in the ministry. And yet he's got this big following. He's got these big crowds. They're having miracles. So he's become a problem for them. So they're going to go shut him down. They're going to go publicly. Show everybody how ignorant he is and uneducated. They're going to dazzle the crowd. <laughs> well, now, am I reading this right? Are they going to try to tie Jesus up? What does entangle mean? They're going to tie Jesus up. They got a picture of them wowing the crowd with their knowledge and their education and Jesus being dumbfounded and not being able to answer back and the crowd going, well, okay, maybe he's not all we thought he was. They took counsel about this. Keep reading. We're going to read several verses here. They sent out to him the disciples with the Herodians and they said, Master, we know you're true. Teach the way of God in truth. You don't care for any man, but you regard not the person of men. The devil's such a liar, such a deceiver. He'll butter you up. He'll flatter you before he tries to stab you. How <laughs> I many know that's the way he does? He goes, you're such a fine fella. You're so great. Yeah. Is that right? That's exactly how he works every time. Turn around so I can get this stuff off your back. <laughs> You're so smart. You're so. They said, what do you think? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Jesus perceived their wickedness. He said, why tempt you me, you hypocrites? I'm going to read through this several of these. Show me the tribute money. They brought him a penny. He said, whose picture is this? Whose writing is this? They said, well, it's Caesar's. 21. He said, well, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. And their tangle up Jesus' plan is really (laughs) unraveling. It's coming apart. And when they heard these words, they what? They marveled and did what? Well, this didn't turn out the way they planned it. Left him and went their way. They're going to have to think some more about this. How to tangle Jesus up. This is not working. And the same day. This was obviously tangle up Jesus day. (laughs) Same day. Sadducees came. And they said there's no resurrection. And they were upset about what Jesus was teaching. So they asked him. They said master. Moses said if a man die. Having no children. His brother will marry his wife. Raise up seed to his brother. They were with the seven brothers. The first married a wife. He died. Had no issue. Left his wife to his brother. Second also, the third, to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, which they don't even believe in, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Hmm? See, they think they are so smart. Don't they? They think, we got him. How are you going to answer this one, huh? Have you ever thought about this? Jesus said, you do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Amen. And all the people, they were sitting there thinking, yeah. Because <laughs> right. the Bible said the common people heard Jesus gladly. That's right. And they knew a lot of that junk that the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees were saying were not right, but they didn't know how to answer them. But then when Jesus came and said it, they said, that's right. I always knew that. I always knew that. That's right. That's right. Why? Because Jesus is speaking by the irresistible spirit. He's speaking by the spirit that cannot be gainsaid nor resisted. He said in the resurrection, so there must be one. They don't marry and are given in marriage. Your question, because you're so ignorant 
of scriptures and God, your question is completely irrelevant. That's how smart you are. (laughs) If you knew enough, you wouldn't have even asked the question because you would have known it's irrelevant because they don't marry. Whose wife will she be? They don't marry. They're like the angels of God in heaven. And it's touching the resurrection of the dead. Because these were people who were big on the Old Testament and Moses. Have you not read your God saying? Have you never read the scriptures? Have you ever read the Bible? (laughs) And so they were so proud of how much they're, you know, the scripture. The Bible that you're so proud of? It says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And God had said that when these men hadn't been on the earth for a long, long time. He said, God's not the God of the dead, but of the living. Is God saying, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they don't exist anymore? Somebody need to remind God they're dead? They don't, they're not around anymore? No, because they still exist. And there is a resurrection. And when the multitude heard this, they were what? Astonished at his doctrine. And I guess the Sadducees had to leave. And take some more counsel about how to tangle up Jesus. Because this is not working out. But when the Pharisees had heard he'd put the Sadducees to silence. Then they said, that's our shot. We're going to show them how to do it. They were gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer. (laughs) Asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Keep going. Second is like it. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them. They weren't prepared for this. They're like, no, no, no. We're asking you questions today. He said, no. You asked, I answered. Now I got something for you. What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? Whose son is Christ? They said to him, we don't know that. Son of David. Son of David. He says, well, how then does David in spirit call him Lord? I mean, nobody ever imagined a father calling his son Lord, especially not in this patriarchal world. He said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David didn't call him Lord, how is he his son? And guess who got tangled up? (laughs) Guess who got tangled up? No man was able to answer him a word. Neither did any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. (laughs) None of them wanted any more of this. Why? Because he's speaking by the irresistible spirit. The spirit that cannot be gainsaid nor resisted. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And it is this same spirit whom we've received who comes on us and we receive power. He empowers us to do what? To do what? To testify, to be a witness of what we have seen and heard and know that he's done. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to the book of Acts, please. 22nd chapter. Now, Paul, Paul was the Pharisees' golden boy. He was trained at the feet of Gamaliel. He was a rising star in the Pharisaical ranks. And he was number one enemy. Of the church of the Lord. Saul of Tarsus. Is that right? I mean. 
The Bible says that uh, when Stephen was stoned, Saul was there and gave affirmation, witness that he was guilty and should have been stoned and held the, the garments of the people throwing the rocks, showing that he's publicly behind this. And then after that, he just gained steam. He went and got authorization from the authorities to go to numerous cities. And he, by his own admission later, he dragged out men and women out of their homes and put them in jail and had them executed. He is one of the biggest enemies the church has at this time. And then he met Jesus. I said, then he met the Lord. On the road to Damascus. And got gloriously born again. And then got filled with the Spirit. And the Bible said that you're in Acts 22. Just stay there. In Acts 9, when he got saved, it said straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. And all that heard him were amazed. And they said, is this not he that destroyed them that were called on his name in Jerusalem? And brought them out to be bound? You talk about a turnaround. People thought, what? Saul is preaching Jesus? It was shocking. And verse 22 says, Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt in Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. Is he speaking by this spirit? That cannot be gainsaid nor resisted. So their solution was. Verse 23. So after many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him. (laughs) What do you do. When you can't prove that somebody's wrong. (laughs) You don't like what they're saying. But you can't prove that it's wrong. Well if you're devilish. You want to kill them. That's his solution. Destroy them. Kill them. Which gives us insight into how powerful our testimony is. Come on, can you see this? Why is it such a big deal? Why is the devil so so, uh, stirred up about this that he, he immediately tries to kill people and murder people when their testimony becomes powerful? Why? Because we are the light of the world. Hallelujah. Through this witness, through this testimony, those in darkness and blindness are able to see and hear and get free. Glory to God. Sometimes people talk about warfare and spiritual warfare. This is it. This is real spiritual warfare. Hmm? It's not about dressing up in, in army gear and shouting real loud. It's about... Being a light and being unashamed and being willing to tell the truth about what the Lord has done for you, even when it's unpopular, even when it may cost you, cost you a little or cost you a lot. Still, you haven't been given the spirit of fear and you are bold and unashamed. I believe we're becoming more powerful in this. Do you? Can you sense that about this whole group in here? We're becoming stronger. Right? We're becoming stronger in this. Knowing who we are. Knowing what we have. Now, in Acts 22, verse 1, we see Paul and his testimony. And when Saul, who became Paul, when he got saved, the Lord told him, That he was to bear his name before kings and before Gentiles. And that he's to give his testimony and give his witness. And you'll see here in Acts 22, you'll see it later, what, in uh, 24 and 26. And you have reason to believe that it happened over and over and over again. He kept giving his testimony about when he met the Lord on that road. Do you know you, you never need to get tired or weary of giving your testimony? You may think, well, I've heard it 10,000 times. Yeah, but they haven't. They haven't. 
Don't get tired of giving your testimony. Just make sure it's true. Nothing fabricated. Nothing exaggerated. The truth, absolutely the truth. The truth, the whole truth. And nothing but the truth. So help you God. I mean, now what are you supposed to say before you testify anyway, right? (laughs) He said, now listen to his testimony because this is anointed and it was selected to be preserved for us throughout the church for all generations. Listen and get the spirit of what he's doing. Now, he is not in the position of authority. He's there as a prisoner. Taken in custody and then later actually in chains. So he's, you know, they're looking down on him. But he's not intimidated. He said, men, brethren, fathers, hear you my defense which I make to you. And when they heard he spoke in the Hebrew tongue, they kept them more silence. He said, I was, I'm a man, a Jew, born in Tarsus, in Cilicia. I was brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Taught according to the perfect manner of the law of fathers. I was zealous toward God as you all are this day. Does this sound like a testimony? Huh? I grew up over here. I did this. Total truth. Accurate historical account of what happened. And I persecuted this way to the death. Binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. I did some bad things. And the high priest Bear me witness and all the estate of the elders of whom I received letters. And I went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound to Jerusalem to be punished. And it came to pass as I made my journey and was come near to Damascus about noon. Suddenly there shone from heaven a great light about me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I answered, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. And they that were with me saw the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go to Damascus, and there it will be told you of all things which are appointed for you to do. Now there's a crowd of people standing listening to this. Is, Is Paul preaching? No. No. He's an apostle. He can preach. He can teach. God's given him amazing insight into the doctrines of the church. But that's not what he's doing. I said that's not what he's doing. He's not teaching. He's not preaching. He's not expounding revelation of righteousness or grace or faith. He's given his testimony. How many believe it was powerful? These people that are hearing this. Can we really believe that he saw a bright light and heard a voice? Now people can scoff and mock all they want to, but he was there. He saw the light. He heard the voice. Nobody can tell him. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the king. I don't care if you got nine degrees after your name. I'm the one who saw the light. I'm the one who heard the voice and I know what happened and I know what it did to me. Did something happen to Saul on that road? Saul of Tarsus, the mean persecutor of the church, passed away. Is that right? All things were passed away and Paul, hallelujah, the apostle, champion of the church, was born. Who's affecting our lives to this day. He said when I could not see for the glory of that light. Being led by the hand of them that were with me. I came to Damascus. One Ananias a devout man according to the law. Having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there. He came to me and he stood and he said to me. Brother Saul. He wouldn't have called him brother the day before. (laughs) I mean the Lord really had to talk to Ananias. Because Ananias said Lord. I've heard about many about this guy. You want me to go see him? And the Lord said, go. He's a chosen vessel of mine. So he did. He said, brother Saul, receive your sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him. Is Paul testifying? Did he say, I was there when he healed me. I was there when he saved me. I was there when he healed me. I was there. 
And he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see that just one and should hear the voice of his mouth. For you shall be, you shall be his witness unto all men of what? Of what you have seen and heard. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Keep reading, keep reading. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it came to pass when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. And I saw him saying to me, make haste, get you quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. And we're going to talk about this some more later, but don't be shocked if not everybody receives your testimony. Now, we do need to distinguish. Somebody said, I thought, the, I thought the Spirit of God is irresistible. He is. Nobody can refute him or prove him wrong. Nobody can withstand the truth and clarity and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. There is no counsel, no wisdom against the Lord that can be successful. But that doesn't mean the people have to receive it or believe it. That's not the same thing. And he's telling him, you need to get out of town. Because these folks will not receive your testimony concerning me. Keep reading. He said, Lord, they know I imprisoned and beat in every synagogue them that believed on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed. And the word martyr is the same word translated witness. I was standing by, consenting to his death. And I kept the raiment of them that slew him. They know that. And the Lord said, depart. For I will send you far hence to the Gentiles. Now you got to remember. Through all this he's given his testimony. There's this big crowd of people out here. And they gave him audience up to that word. And then they couldn't stand it anymore. They lifted their voices. And they said away with such a fellow from the earth. It is not fit that he should live. Well hold on. Hold on. Is he wrong? Prove him wrong. Show from the scriptures that he's wrong. Convince us. Show us. What's the problem? They can't. The spirit he's speaking by cannot be refuted or disproved or withstood. So what's the devil's solution? Kill him. Kill him. Why? Come on now. We know these are people. They, they cried out. They cast off their clothes. They're tearing off their clothes. How many know when you tear off your clothes, you're standing there naked? <laughs> They're throwing dust in the air. This is crazy. This is going nuts. Why? What's happening here? Why are they acting this way? Because the devil can't stand to hear another word of this. Huh? He, he can't out talk it. He can't over talk it. He can't disprove it. He can't withstand it. The only thing he can do is shut you up somehow. Get you to shut up. And the more the devil tries to get you to shut up. Come on help me out. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You, you don't have the spirit of fear. Oh somebody say glory to God. You see the devil through these people. They're yielding to him. And they couldn't stand to hear it man. I mean they're tearing their clothes. or throwing dirt in the air. They're just going crazy. Why? Here's the thing, friends. When an honest man or woman hears the indisputable truth, they change. They humble themselves. They acknowledge that it's the truth. And they receive it. And they repent. But there are many, many people on the planet, they don't care if it's true. They don't care how indisputable or how many ways. You will never be able to give them enough evidence. They don't want it to be true. They don't want to hear it. I don't care how many times it's proven to them. They refuse to receive it. Why? Because they're dishonest. They're deceptive. In their heart, they know it, but they won't admit it. So what will those folk do? Well, if the anointing's strong enough on the testimony, they will scream and tear their clothes and throw dirt in the air. I want to kill you. And that means you're doing something right. 
In 24 and 26 of this same book of Acts, you see Paul doing this again. In chapter 24, I won't read all of it, but he was able to give his testimony before Felix. And in Acts 24, 25, he's doing the same thing. He's going through the whole thing. I was born over here. Everybody knows me. I trained under Gamaliel. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was their golden poster boy. (laughs) I hurt people. I attacked the church. But one day I was on the road to Damascus. Hallelujah. How many know maybe you weren't on the road to Damascus. Maybe you didn't see a light and hear a voice. But how many would say there was a day? There was a day. Come on, there was a day. When I met him. Hallelujah. I heard him in my spirit. I saw the truth. Hallelujah of the good news. I saw it. I heard it. I was there. And he saved me. He washed my sins away. He forgave me. He cleansed me. He filled me. He healed me. He thrilled me. And nobody can tell me he didn't because I was there. I was there. I was there. And as he did these things, Felix said, uh, go your way. Verse 25. Go your way. When I have a convenient season, I will call for you. <laughs> What's going on? He's got nothing to say. He's got no comeback. Do you know when the devil tempted Jesus for those 40 days and nights? You know what it said after that? It said it, he left him for a season. The devil did what? Why? <laughs> He's out. He has completely run out of anything to say and do. He doesn't know what to do with Jesus. Everything he's ever tried that worked on everybody else didn't work on him. Because <laughs> he's moving and speaking and operating by this irresistible spirit. In the 26th chapter. In the 26th chapter. He's giving his testimony down about verse uh, 15 or so. He's giving his testimony again. I won't go through all of it. But he he said, uh, well, back up to verse uh, 14. We're all fallen to the earth. I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Stop here. Have you heard this before? This is not the same chapter. We have reason to believe he did this over and over again. Giving his testimony. It sounds just like chapter 24, doesn't it? And what was it, chapter 22? It sounds just like these. And these are just the ones that were recorded. So he's giving his testimony. This time he's doing it in front of King Agrippa. It's coming to pass what the Lord told him on that road. He's testifying in front of kings. Now he's wearing handcuffs. I don't know if the Lord mentioned that or not. But he's doing it. And uh, verse 15, he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. Keep going. Rise, stand on your feet. I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and what? And a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of those things in which I will appear to you. Keep going. Delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you. Because Some people will hear and receive the witness. Some won't. You'll have to be delivered from some of the people he sends you to. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. I know I read it fast. I'm thinking we're going to spend time on this later. But this is in a capsule why your testimony is so powerful. Back up to that verse again, verse 18. This is why your and my testimony is so powerful. Because God uses it to open their eyes. God uses it to turn people from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. That they can receive forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among them that are sanctified. God uses your and my testimony to accomplish this. It's why it's so powerful. It's why he sent the spirit to anoint us to do it. It's why the devil hates it so much. And it shakes him so bad. Keep reading. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient until the heavenly vision. 
I showed first to them at Damascus and at Jerusalem, throughout all the coasts of Judea and to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. And for these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue to this day witnessing both to small and great. Hallelujah. He would witness to the guy on the street corner and he witnesses to the King Agrippa. And he's on his way to witness in Rome. Is that right? He's going to Caesar. He's going to preach in Caesar's court. I don't know. Maybe I didn't use the right word. He's going to give his testimony. He's going to witness. And give his testimony. I continue to this day. Witnessing both the small and great. Saying none of the things. Than those which the prophets and Moses. Did say should come. That Christ should suffer. He should be the first that should rise from the dead. Should show light to the people to the Gentiles. As he thus spoke for himself. Festus said with a loud voice. Paul. You're beside yourself. Much learning does make you mad. You're crazy. He's talking about resurrection. He saw a man that everybody knows was executed. He met him later on a road. He said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus. I speak forth the words of truth and soberness. The king knows of these things before whom I speak freely. I'm persuaded none of these things are hidden from him. This thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. Agrippa said to Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Is something powerful going on in this room. What's Paul doing? He's given the same testimony. He's given over and over again about how he met the Lord on the road to Damascus. Isn't he? And the Spirit of God is coming on that whole royal court. He come on faster so much that he don't know what to say. He just jumped up and said, you crazy. (laughs) But he don't know how to, he can't prove him wrong. He can't discount it. And then Agrippa sitting there thinking he's almost ready to answer an altar call. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Paul said, I would to God that not just you, but also everybody listening to me today would almost and altogether be just like me. Saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Just like me. Except for these handcuffs. That was a nice line right there. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can you see the power of this anointed testimony, of this anointed witness? In closing, Proverbs 21.30. Put it up on the screen for us, please. Proverbs 21.30. 21.30 said, There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. The Amplified says there's no human wisdom or understanding or counsel that can prevail against the Lord. Friend, do not get caught in the trap of trying to match wits with somebody that thinks they're smarter than you or more educated than you. Don't, don't, don't get entangled with their reasoning and philosophies and try to talk doctrine and you're maybe not even called to do that. Don't do it. Don't play their little game by their rules. But just be ready. I said be ready. Always ready to give an answer of the hope that's within you. And you'll know there'll be times and situations and places. And it'll turn to you. (laughs) For a testimony. And people look at you and go, what about that? And you'll go, well. I grew up in so and so (laughs) and I was messed up and I thought this and I thought that but glory to God one day hallelujah and you begin to tell how he saved you and he cleansed you you're not trying to teach and preach you're telling what you know what you saw what you heard and I'm telling you the Holy Ghost will come in there he'll get involved in that and eyes will be opened and people can come out of darkness And people can get free. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Stand on your feet. Lift up your hands. 
Give thanks to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Master. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.